Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Stay tuned to Episode 1 of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, as we look at 25 years of God's goodness. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. In fact, it is the first podcast in the history, the long 25-year history of Greenville Seminary. And so welcome to this program. I hope it's beneficial for the listeners and edifying. And as it turns out, I happen to have the first president of Greenville Seminary sitting right here in studio with me today. We are doing this live across a, a small table in my office, and um, so I want to bring into the program Dr. Joseph Piper. He is, as I mentioned, the first uh, president of the seminary and um, has been here pretty much for the duration of the school's existence and has done great and wonderful things for it. Uh, Dr. Piper is the president and professor of historical and systematic theology at Greenville Seminary. He earned his B.A. from Belhaven College, an M.Div. from Reformed Theological Seminary, and a Ph.D. from Westminster Theological Seminary. Prior to serving at Greenville Seminary, he pastored numerous churches, uh, 23 years in fact, at one particular church, um, and uh, taught at Westminster Seminary in California, planted other churches, and now, of course, is sitting here with me as the president of the seminary. So I want to welcome him to the program today, and we're going to talk a little bit about this podcast, Why Are We Doing It?, and um, a little bit about the history of the seminary for those who may not know uh, about our 25-year history. And we're going to talk a little bit about our theology conferences that we've been doing every year um, for, for quite a while now. It's been what? How many years, Dr. Piper? We did the first one at my inauguration in 1998. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Dr. Piper, um, we've been here 25 years. Um, how do we get started? Well, Bill, thank you for this opportunity and hosting the program. The seminary started in uh, 1987. There were a number of concerns that people had expressed. There really was, in those days, uh, no reform seminary in the uh, mid-states of the South. And particularly in Presbyterianism, there was a lack of an emphasis on uh, confessional instruction. Mm -hmm. So the seminary was started by a group primarily of ruling elders here in the Greenville area, with uh, Dr. Smith and Paul Settle and some other ministers, uh, to have a seminary that be committed to a confessional Presbyterianism. And so from day one, the seminary has been committed to offering instruction that would be consistent with the Westminster Confession of Faith, although based upon the exegesis of the Scripture. A second concern was to have a seminary that would be devoted almost completely, to preparing men to preach and to pastor in the churches of God. And so the seminary has always been narrow in its focus. We do have a Master of Arts program, but it is kind of a second thought. Um, we primarily, every course is, is directed to the preparation of men for ministry. We also now have courses for el ruling elders and deacons, but again, they simply take a selection of the courses that we teach to our uh, divinity students. Mm. Now, we, we're sitting in a wonderful building right now. Um, 
we haven't always had this building. Where where did we start? Where was the uh, first uh, location of the seminary? There was a uh, Presbyterian church down on Augusta Road, downtown uh, Greenville, uh, in a declining area. Uh, the church itself was declining, although it had done everything humanly imaginable to try to reach uh, its neighborhood. And so the Augusta Road Presbyterian Church uh, allowed the seminary to use a floor of its building, and in that floor we had uh, an administrative office. We only had, I think, two faculty members at that point, a faculty office, a library, a classroom. And the seminary uh, started there uh, under the uh, cooperation and benevolence of that church. Now, that church sold its property after trying to reach the neighborhood, and they were only a few blocks from another church in the same denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. So they sold the property to an independent Baptist work that continued to allow the seminary to use that in the transition period. When I began working for the seminary unofficially in the fall of 1997, one of my first responsibilities was to go out once a month when I flew over with Dr. Smith, Dr. Smith, and we would look at properties. Mm-hmm. And we would really need to get out of there. So when I moved here in January of 1998, we had one more semester in that building. We were living on top of each other. But also, because of its location and facilities, there was no place to develop a community. So most of the students lived in town, but they had very little access to each other or to the faculty in that location. In God's providence, we found a uh, Baptist church that was being sold in Taylor, South Carolina, that was about uh, 11,000, 12,000 square feet, had a wonderful auditorium, uh, classrooms, uh, office space. And we moved in there in the uh, August of 1998. With that property, was about, our building was about three and a half acres, and our long-term plan was to build another building on that property that would eventually house the library and faculty offices. Uh, providentially, we were, we were outgrowing the building. We were, again, on top of each other, although a number of the things that we wanted, we had a, a nice fellowship hall for the students. We had a wonderful chapel. We really began to develop a sense of community. But, again, we had some faculty members now that were sharing offices, uh, staff. We had three staff people in one office space. We were outgrowing the library space. And so just as we had begun studying, um, doing a feasibility study for another, uh, for an expansion, uh, one of our donors discovered this building that we're in, which was an old school building half a mile down the Main Street Taylor's from where we were meeting, and offered to give that to us if we wanted to remodel it. So we actually had our man on site who was doing the feasibility study. He compared both projects. This building that we're in was built for education. It's a little over 20,000 square feet. The space is much more usable for our purposes. than uh, We lost a lot of space in the other building uh, because of having been a church. And so we built uh, – we remodeled this building, stripped it down to the to the bare bones, and rebuilt it in what they call the 100-year plan. It was great quality. With that, we have a capital funds campaign to um, support the 
construction of the building and the things that we did and have to do. So I think it's this month. We've been in here now for four months, four years, Mm -hmm. and uh, thoroughly enjoying our our new environment. Yeah, it is a wonderful building. I have the pleasure of being a student here and um, did not have to endure, if you will, some of the cramped conditions of the early days. Um, But I do know some pastors, uh, in fact, my associate pastor um, up at Emanuel Presbyterian Church, in fact, he he graduated here during those more cramped condition days. But the seminary's grown. We've, uh, your first graduating class had how many students? Three. And just this last year, we graduated in 1991. One of them is now a pastor in uh, California in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. One is in Birmingham, Alabama, who is a teacher in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, but he has been diagnosed with uh, cancer Mm -hmm. and is fighting that. And the third one uh, lives here in the greater area. Uh, He's blind. Uh, He works mostly with uh, uh, creation projects. The last class, uh, we graduated 11, I believe, uh, one uh, in the Certificate Ministry for Ruling Elders, one THD, and uh, the rest, uh, one MA student, and the rest Divinity student. Sure. And if I remember correctly, I, I was at that graduation ceremony, the, the last one that was held last May, and if I remember correctly, you mentioned even at that ceremony that that was the largest attended graduation as far as the number of people that were there to see the graduates uh, earn their degrees. That's true. Um, the building was packed. We used the auditorium of the people next door, and it, the balcony was full as well. Now, one of the distinctives of the school as far as, uh, you know, we, as everybody knows, we live in an economy that's uh, somewhat struggling, to, to say the least. Uh, we have, um, I mean, costs are always an issue uh, for anything. I mean, it takes money to do things. And But Greenville Seminary has been able to um, keep their costs at a minimum, comparatively speaking, as opposed to some of the other seminaries that are exist in, in the United States. How is that possible? It's a good question, Bill. It is a, a philosophical commitment. The most uh, schools, I've seen the statistics, colleges and advanced degree schools like Greenville, have a structure of about uh, 70% of their income comes from tuition, 30% from uh, benevolence giving grants and other things like that. Uh, we've been determined to turn that figure around. Mm-hmm. We actually get about 70% of our support from donors and special gifts, and only 30% from our students. Now, we've done that for a particular reason. Uh, many men come to seminary with college university debt. To add to that, any significant debt from a seminary is a, a load of indebtedness that most reform ministers are never going to be in a position to pay back. And so we have uh, structured it um, to make it very easy on the students. So our tuition is two-thirds or three-fourths less the other main uh, Presbyterian and Reformed uh, seminaries. And then we have a program. If a student comes to us from a supporting church that gives at a minimal level, and that student, like yourself, you enjoy this, is comes tuition-free. They do uh, four hours a week of work on campus So because we can't afford a lot of administrative-type help. But uh, they all they pay is their fees. Mm. And so we're able to. And then we also, at our own expense, uh, when we have students coming from third-world countries, if they come endorsed 
by someone that we know, uh, we actually waive their tuition and their fees and then commit to uh, trying to raise whatever living money they they need as well. And we've helped a number of students from around the world with that program, and that's where we get our donors more involved as well. Yeah, it's a great program. I can attest to that. Um, for those of you who, out there listening who may be considering um, furthering your education in the pastoral, in pastoral studies or other things, um, it is an uh, excellent opportunity to uh, secure your seminary degree without compromising on the education, as well as um, at, the, at the same time not incurring a load of debt um, that it tends to burden uh, young pastors, especially when they have everything else going on and that uh, on top of it. So it is an excellent program. It by no means compromises anything else. Um, there's a lot of people here, Dr. Pipe, I think you would agree with this, that there's a lot of on, uh, all hands on deck. People wear different hats, a lot of different hats at times in the staff and faculty. And um, it's community in a lot of ways. And everybody works together to try to get the, the work done, even if it's not necessarily their job, if you will. That's true. And it really does. Uh, it, the, the staff, the faculty, the students, uh, most of which have a, a commitment to what the seminary is about and really do joyfully labor together. For example, we're talking a bit about the conference. Our student body uh, takes on a significant amount of work at the conference that we really could not do uh, without them. And yet they... Um, they gladly enter into into those labors. We do allow them to come to the conference free, but they still have to do a lot of work and do it gladly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we just had, in fact, um, we just had a luncheon today to go over those specific details. But uh, I can attest to that uh, the reality that every student was there and uh, wants to contribute to the conference that, in fact, is coming up here in a number of weeks. Um, so since we're mentioning the conference, this, this year's conference uh, has, a, a, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say unusual theme, but it's a theme... Dr. Piper, that um, I'll confess to you, when I saw it released last year at the conference last year, I was I scratched my head a little bit, not quite sure I understood what it was about, but it's a commemoration of Princeton, 1812 to 2012. What does that have to do with Greenville Seminary? Well, Bill, um, Princeton was one of the three first seminaries founded in the United States. The United States, one of the contributions that the United States churches have made to uh, training for ministry is the seminary. It's a, a, an American invention. And uh, Princeton uh, was begun by the Presbyterian Church in 1812. And uh, this is its uh, 200th anniversary. Uh, Princeton, for a hundred years, was the mother of uh, reform education of church planting, of missions around the world. It was the great defender of the uh, truths of Christianity against the attacks from uh, German higher critics and others like that, but also promotion, uh, a promoter of piety and committed to the pastoral and preaching ministry. As uh, Princeton began to uh, go liberal in the first part of the 20th century, uh, J. Gresham Machen uh, left Princeton and started Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. So Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia was the daughter, so to speak, of Princeton, and some of those early Princeton uh, faculty members actually then taught at Westminster. Uh, Van Til 
in addition to uh, Machen, uh, for example. Uh, Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, in addition to having a divinity program, also has and had a very fine um, advanced degree program in academics. And so a great number of of professors uh, through the decades since its founding in 1929 have trained at Westminster. So a number of the second-generation Reformed seminaries, like Reformed Theological Seminary and Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, are the grandchildren of Princeton. Mm -hmm. Greenville, more consciously so, we actually have framed some of our initial uh, documents and commitments on the initial documents of Princeton Seminary. We also uh, see ourselves as promoting the, uh, the godliness, the piety, the pastoral ministry. And like Princeton, it's been our desire that we be a real powerhouse for worldwide missions, and God has blessed that desire. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned one of the documents that— um that the school was founded on. What were you? What are you referring to there? Well, the uh, the principles of operation that that principle uh, that Princeton had, uh, some of the guidelines that shaped both the the uh, curriculum, but the attitude of the school, uh, actually are printed in the front of our catalog. Also, their subscription vow to the Westminster Confession of Faith is a subscription vow that we have adopted for our faculty as well, and board members. And they also, as a result of that, they're um, obligated to sign, confess that commitment each— Annually. Annually at each— uh, not the commencement, but the uh, convocation. The other one, the convocation. They take it orally, and then they have to sign it— in writing after that. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's a good thing, and uh, it helps us students, in fact, know where our professors are coming from and where they stand as well on these uh, various topics. Now, this conference is um, loaded with some wonderful speakers on various topics. Um, and, of course, Dr. Piper, you're speaking, as always, uh, at the conference, though I notice you're not speaking as often this year as you used to in the past. Um, I guess that's because we have so many fine uh, men coming to talk. But your particular area uh, in the conference this year, um, a biblical, biblical rationale for a Reformed seminary. What, what's the uh, summation? What would you say your uh, driving factor is behind that title? Well, that was something that actually I think the board suggested I do. The, let me, uh, even though we're commemorating Princeton, uh, every address, uh, each speaker has been asked to focus his address on the practical benefits and outworking of Princeton's theology in these various areas. We address their piety, their pastoral theology, their preaching, their defense of the Old Testament, of inerrancy, uh, the evolution creation issue, uh, then some other, and and missions, which is very important, and some other ecclesiastical uh, issues that we're dealing with, Um, as well as looking at some of the stalwarts, particularly uh, Miller, Alexander, and uh, Machen. But uh, my address is the Biblical Rationale for Reform Seminary, which is going to be on Wednesday night, and that is uh, to give both a history of the development of seminaries in America and then around the world, and then what is unique about a Reformed seminary and why Mm -hmm. such an institution is important, particularly today when we see a lot of pressure 
on educational institutions to provide distance education. And we do provide distance education. We are committed to and convinced as faculty and board that the best way to train for the ministry, because it's a social vocation, is in community. And so we press hard and, as we've already noted, make it as, as easy as we can for men to come on campus and to study. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a wide, um, in fact, I started out as a distance student, um, and by God's grace, I was able to move my wife and I here to the Greenville area um, to study here on campus, but we do have um, a distance program as well, and um, certainly contact a registrar um, here at the seminary if you have further questions about that, or even go to our website at gpts.edu, and there's plenty of information there, a catalog, and all sorts of information. Why should we? Uh, why should people come to this theology conference this year? Well, as I said, the conference is addressing uh, not Princeton simply historically, but a number of these issues are right back on the table. Although you know, a, a bit surprising. For example, the nature of Scripture and inerrancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Princeton really was the primary formulator of the biblical doctrine. Uh, in modern times, of inspiration and inerrancy and infallibility. And now that's back on the table big time as increasingly uh, professors and ministers, even in more Reformed bodies, are starting to question the integrity of the Word of God. But is that doctrine of inerrancy a biblical doctrine, or is it something that came out of Princeton rationalism and philosophy? And so we actually have an address on that pointing out the exegetical basis. We have an address defending uh, the Old Testament and its history as the Word of God. Uh, An address, another issue now back on the table is this whole matter of uh, evolution and creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Princeton compromised on creation, but not on evolution. And uh, today, uh, we have a lot of compromises where people are beginning to advocate uh, theistic evolution. The issue of missions, there's great changes taking place and under the emerging church and, and different philosophies of what one really does. And we want to promote importance of, of worldwide evangelism. So Dr. Curto, our professor in evangelism and missions, will be doing an address on Princeton and uh, missions. And then some of the other issues that are very important today in terms of how the church structures itself came out of, of those days. And the difference between Princeton and the Southern Presbyterian schools, which we would find ourselves on these issues even more in line with. Uh, the issues on revivalism and revival. And then um, where to from here? And that... You asked a question a while ago, why conferences in the first place? We, I organized a one-day conference for my inauguration. Normally, a president's inaugurated, he gives an inaugural address, there's mm-hmm. charges and things like that. And we, we had that service at night. But during the day, we had a number of, of scholars come in and talk about um, various ecclesiastical and church issues. David Calhoun gave a great address on Old Columbia Seminary here in South Carolina because that's something we find ourselves in line with. And out of that, interestingly, I wanted to see us start uh, a winter a winter conference, late, early, late winter, early spring. When I was a student in seminary, 
Westminster uh, Reform Seminary had a, a two-and-a-half-day conference in February that was greatly used in, in my life and the lives of many others, and they had stopped doing that. And so I wanted to see Greenville sponsor something like that, but actually some people that attended the inauguration also asked us to make it an annual thing. So the next year in March then, uh, we did our first conference on creation, and since then we've done conferences on uh, reform spirituality, sanctification, worship, covenant theology, um, evangelism, worldview, sufficiency of Scripture, a lot of different conferences. Last year was on the Holy Spirit. Two years ago it was on uh, John Calvin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, three years ago now on on John Calvin for that anniversary. So, And most of these have been published, but they're all available on Sermon Audio uh, under Greenville's uh, site there. And so people can actually also listen to these uh, lectures and um, profit from them in the future. Yeah, it's, um, I've been to, well, let me think, I've been to, this will be my third conference that I've been to in a row, since, in fact, since I've been a student of the school, and um, they are always a challenging time, it, not to mention that there's, there's times of fellowship, there's times of, uh, of reconnecting with, with people you may have not seen uh, for quite some time as people come in from all over the country, um, and and. Not only that, the seminary community uh, does do everything they can to make your time here and, and the people that come to the conference uh, a profitable time and an enjoying time. It, the, the Greenville area is uh, very beautiful. The mountains are right near us, and there's plenty to do other than just the conference itself. So it is a time well spent. Uh, the lineup this, this year with the gentlemen that are speaking, Dr. Shaw, uh, uh, Dr. Piper mentioned Dr. Curdo, Dr. Piper himself is speaking. we got Daryl Hart. Dr. Wilborn, um, who's going to be doing a lecture on the Horge Thornwell Exchange. Uh, for those of you in the Reform camp, you know exactly what I'm talking about there. Um, so there's plenty of go- plenty going on, but it's a great time of fellowship and getting together. Um, we have services in the evening where the the, the, the body sings uh, the hymns of the faith, and it is a, a very uh, a very g- a good time shared by all. So I would encourage those of you who have are maybe on the fence, maybe considering coming, have come in the past but not sure if they can this year, to seriously consider um, this year's conference. It's our 25th anniversary as well as a dinner on Monday night that is com- commemorating. It's a special dinner. It's going to be pretty much all the trimmings, the whole nine yards. So um would strongly encourage you to, to do that. Before we go to the dinner, let me mention also uh, we've got Dr. Carl Truman and Daryl Hart here, uh, both uh, leading uh, scholars of of that era and of Princeton and Warfield. But also we have two Baptist scholars here that have become quite expert in the area of Princeton and uh, Warfield, Dr. Paul Helseth who has just uh, written a very fine book, Right Reason and the Princeton Mind, an Unorthodox Proposal, and Dr. Fred Zaspel, who's done a theology of B.B. Warfield, and also a book that I just endorsed, Warfield on the Christian Life, which Mm -hmm. is, as I mentioned in the endorsement, this book made me a better Christian. So we're really blessed with the lineup that we have. But let me mention the dates. I don't think we've done that yet. It begins... Tuesday, March 13th at 1 p.m., although we have open house at the seminary that morning, 9.30 to 11. Also, if we have any prospective students listening to our program, we do a prospective student conference with classes Monday afternoon, Monday night, 
and Tuesday morning and a special luncheon for prospective students before the conference uh, begins. There's a lot of new things to see at our building. We've worked on our landscaping now. We're hoping by the time of the conference that we're actually going to have uh, most of that completed. So if you have not seen the property in a couple of years, I think you're going to be wonderfully surprised. So anyway, it begins Tuesday at 1, March 13th, and it goes through Thursday uh, at 12.20. Interspersed through the lectures are question-answer times, uh, generous breaks for fellowship, and uh, also we do a couple of catered meals on site and have one of the finest um, conference bookstores and media uh, selections uh, available at any conference. Our conference bookstore now is being uh, operated by Reformation Heritage Books. Yes, and, that's correct. Um, they do a wonderful job of books as well as the um, various media that we have. Now, it's interesting that uh, Princeton began in 1812, and here in 2012, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary. And so we combined uh, with the conference then a silver anniversary dinner. That's going to be Monday night, 630, mm -hmm. at the Point Set Club here in town. And it's going to be spectacular. We've got special uh, music, wonderful menu. Uh, Dr. Smith and I have been asked by the board to speak. Uh, he's going to talk about the the first 25 years, and I'm going to be a prophet, <laughs> talk about the next 25 years. And we're very excited about that. We're going to have a slideshow with pictures from the past and then a silent auction uh, with some really wonderful things already donated uh, for the silent auction and other ways to get into regular support of the seminary. You can sponsor a table. Uh, you can also, uh, there'll be a time to make pledges uh, for for the future, or just come and enjoy yourself. Tickets are $35, uh, and again, you can learn more about it by going to the seminary website. Yeah, and I would challenge anybody to try to beat the, the menu items and the things that are going to be going on uh, that night, you and your wife uh, or your spouse, $35 per plate. Um, you're not going to beat that for where we're having the dinner, as well as what's being served and... Um, so seriously consider that if you are coming to the conference. Um, again, you can get more information on the conference itself as well as the school, the seminary, and everything that goes on here in, uh, here in Greenville, some, uh, Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina at our website at gpts.edu. I want to thank Dr. Piper for being on. He's a very busy man, um, but uh, took some time out of his schedule to uh, sit in here with me and, and, and launch what we hope to be, Lord willing, a week, uh, weekly podcast of Greenville Seminary. And, and why are we doing a podcast? What is, uh, what's the purpose? Well, uh, fundamentally, we're, we're doing it to uh, discuss and deal with various theological issues that, that the church faces. Um, and we're doing it with men who are in the trenches. We're going to be talking with various professors here at Greenville Seminary, as well as other places. And we're also going to be talking with some of the students that have come through these doors, have gone through these halls, and have now moved on to ministry, as well as students that are, are currently laboring here in their studies, some first-year students, some fourth-year students. And we're going to be talking about the various issues that they faced. Why move? Why not? Um, why do what they did? Um, it's a big commitment to, uh, to follow the Lord's calling on their lives to come and move their families to engage in this study. But there's a plenty of other things to talk about. 
Uh, I failed in the beginning of this podcast even to tell everybody who I am. My name is William Hill, as Dr. Pipe has mentioned a couple times already. And um, I used to run a podcast for quite a while. And so those of you listening to this that listen to that may recognize my voice from that. So we're going to try to keep it conversational. We're going to try to keep it um, practical. And uh, we're going to deal with some of these issues and talk about them from men who labor in these fields on a regular basis. So um, we hope you enjoy this podcast. We hope you get involved. We want to hear from you. If you have questions or comments, you can write us at confessingourhope at gpts.edu. It's confessingourhope, all one word, at gpts.edu. We're going to be doing some other things as well along the way, uh, free book giveaways and that kind of thing. So stay tuned to this podcast. Uh, We know there's plenty of podcasts out there, but I think you will enjoy what we will bring to you each week as we endeavor to follow uh, our Lord in, um, in, in obedience to the Scriptures and the Great Commission. So, until next week, when we talk with, hopefully, Dr. Wilborn on um, his lecture topic that will be coming up at the Spring Theology Conference, we do thank you for listening to this edition, and God bless.